It's Friday night, and your work week is over. Get back and get the latest on the Indianapolis Colts. Jonathan Taylor, touchdown! The 10, the 5, a pick 6 for the Colts! Get up to speed on the Colts and the NFL, starting now. And he walks into the end zone! Touchdown, I-N-D-Y! This is the Colts Happy Hour on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Hey, welcome in. I'll be quite honest with you. I didn't know that I was going to have to do this tonight, but I don't mind. I don't mind at all. Let's do it. Colts Happy Hour. Get you updated on what's going on. Boilermakers and Volunteers, SEC Big Ten Battle and the Music City Bowl going on right now. Boilers trailing 31-30 with approaching three minutes to go in the third quarter, but we'll do a little bit of Colts Happy Hour right now. Brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Download the app today and make every moment more. The truth or trash question as follows. The Colts will begin their next streak of games with a takeaway. All right. So prior to last week, the Colts had the longest active streak in the NFL. 15 consecutive games with a takeaway without Darius Leonard on Saturday night. Failed to log a takeaway against the Cardinals. Do the Raiders restart a streak of takeaways for the Colts coming up on Sunday? Truth or trash? You know, they have a variety. Hey, I got it right here. <laughs> there are a variety of reasons why I felt that the Colts played so well with a lot of guys that aren't normally thrust into the situation they were in on Saturday night. Uh, and among those were those on the interior of the offensive line. Of course, we're talking about center Danny Pinter. Uh, you had uh, Pryor, Matthew Pryor starting at right guard. Um, then you had Chris Reed, who we've seen before and has played well before and did in place of Quentin Nelson this past Saturday night, helping lead this Colts team to a win over Arizona. And as we start to show right now, voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, and the aforementioned Chris Reed on being a part of that win and more on Saturday night in Arizona. Matt. All right, thank you, JMV. Indeed, I'm joined by versatile Colts offensive lineman Chris Reed, who joins me on the horn now. Chris, thanks for the time tonight. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. And obviously, you're doing well, obviously, after that big win uh, for the Colts on uh, Christmas night. What have these last couple of days been like for you, not knowing which of your teammates is going to be available? And meanwhile, you guys are getting ready for a really big game late in the season here against the Raiders. Yeah, I mean, it's it's day by day, and, you know, I think the mentality throughout the entire team is, you know, whatever happens, it's next man up, and I think everyone really understands that, and mm-hmm. I see a lot of people working and a lot of people, you know, you know just pre- preparing uh, their butts off uh, for this game on Sunday. And, and last week, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you had a good idea that you were going to play left guard, then at the last minute you had to play right guard. What, what's that like, you know, switching a mindset position-wise late in the, the week getting ready for a game? Um, you know, it's, it's not too bad. I mean, I, I know I, I'm up for any of those interior positions mm-hmm. if I need to. So I always kind of prepare each position individually, look at, you know, what guy I'm going against most of the time or, you know, whatever. So I have in the back of my mind and my notes that, right. okay, this is what this is what happens on this side, this is what happens on this side type of thing. So, you know, it, 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 from a physical standpoint, it's a little different just because, you know, you're switching, you know, what foot is back and, mm-hmm. you know, some mechanics and whatnot. But um, overall, I was comfortable with either position um, and uh, I just whatever they needed me to play, I would, I would 
play 100%. Yeah, that's Chris Reed, offensive lineman for the Colts, and that's exactly right. That's what you say. You'll play wherever the team needs you, but for you, which which do you find yourself most comfortable with, left guard or right guard? Um, you know, it, it, right now they're kind of similar. I, I've just over the course of my career, I've played more left guard, mm-hmm. um, but I've played right as well. So, uh, you know, both of them are are starting to you know, become similar in, uh, in my ability. No doubt about that. That's Chris Reed, very versatile offensive lineman for the Colts. I got to ask you, with Jonathan Taylor on the cusp of breaking the the Colts uh, franchise record for rushing yards in a single season, from your standpoint, what's it like blocking for Jonathan Taylor? What, what what does he do to make your life easier? You know, he, he does more than just run blocking. I remember, you know, in this last game against Arizona, I kind of got beat a little bit on the inside, and he was right there to help me pick him up. <laughs> I got back in front of him. He got out on his little route, and I went up to him afterwards. I was like, Thank, thanks for that. <laughs> he said, like, I got your back. And that's just how he is as a player, right. you know. Uh, he always says they always he always got our back, and we got his. And uh, I guess we had that kind of – relationship with your running back you guys can do we as a team we can do special things he doesn't say much does he i mean he's kind of a quiet guy out there i mean he lets his uh his play and his performance do all the talking doesn't he Oh, he sure does, and uh, it's quite some talk. <laughs> <laughs> That's Chris Reed with us. Chris, how have you enjoyed your, your first year here with the Colts? What has it been like for you working with uh, offensive line coach Chris Strausser, working with your offensive line teammates this season after playing last year with the Panthers? Um, you know, it's been very – I've learned a lot, I, I, I guess I'd say. You know, you, you my, one of my goals in coming here, too, was also just to kind of challenge myself and – put myself in a situation where there I know there's people that are better like I guess you know on paper better than me like you know, Q is one of the best guards in the league at Glow he's been a free star like he's just he's explosive and fast and so mm-hmm. I, I wanted to challenge myself and, and get myself into a position where I either you know rise to the occasion or I find out who I really am and you know I think over the course of this year I've, I've done a good job of just getting better every week and every day every practice and, and really just honing in on what I can do for this team. And um, and that in turn, you know, it, it just it shows up um, as the season goes on. And I think uh, personally I've done a good job of that and working with Strauss and, and uh, Kevin and these mm-hmm. and they've all been very helpful. And, you know, I've learned a lot about just offense and play and, you know, just how to be a better teammate as well. Is that why you picked the Colts in free agency? Because you thought that they would challenge you and, and make you a better all-around offensive lineman? Uh, I think that was one of the biggest uh, points I, I kind of had dumped coming here. You know, that was one of them. You know, the, uh, a couple other ones, but you know, really, it's just I knew I wanted to get better as a player, mm-hmm. and what was the best place to do that? Indeed, that's Chris Reed, offensive lineman for the Colts, and uh, it's it's certainly been a very difficult time for Ryan Kelly, uh, one of your close teammates. How has the rest of the offensive line group? Chris gone about supporting him and and what will it mean to have him back potentially in the lineup this weekend you know it means a lot to have him back I'm uh you know as, as a team as an entire team and organization um you know we all we all let him know how much we we uh you know feel for him and his family and uh and we've done you know hopefully we've we've learned that we could we're here to do anything and just be supportive right and, uh, you know, I think they felt that. And I'm, I'm glad he's back and um, just looking forward to 
to see them out there on Sunday. Hey, Chris, take me back to uh, Christmas night. What was it like for you playing on Christmas and being away from your family and loved ones on the actual holiday? It was uh, kind of surreal. It was, you know, I didn't really feel like Christmas. That's, that's <laughs> probably the first time. I've, I'm sure. I, I think it was the first time in my career in the NFL I've, I've played on Christmas. So um, it, was a, it was a fun experience, you know, and it was just, you know, I think being the only game on also and just having everyone watching Christmas and, right. you know, get the win is just kind of a special moment in my uh, career here so, and just in the NFL in general. So I'll, I'll definitely remember it forever. Yeah, well, I mean, Arizona is a couple hours behind, you know, Eastern time. How did you how did you do Christmas morning? Did you FaceTime with anybody while you opened up <laughs> Christmas presents or anything like that? You know, I, I texted people and, and, and whatnot. I FaceTimed my wife and my daughter and, yeah. uh, you know, we had had some uh, family Christmases prior to that uh, that day, so we, we were kind of done with it. We just had, you know, our little family's Christmas, so we did that the next day on Sunday. Right. So. Um, but yeah, no, it was uh, it was good to see people, and you know, I'm, I'm glad we were able to deliver the win. All right, fast forward after the game, take me back to the plane ride home. What was that like for you guys? You guys got the win in the fashion that you did, shorthanded. You know, Christmas night, you're flying back. I mean, that's that's got to be one of the better plane ride homes of your career, I would imagine. <laughs> Yeah, definitely it was. It was it was good for about an hour and then I fell asleep. So <laughs> you know, it's just it's just it, it you could feel the energy and uh, you know, the excitement of, of doing that and it carried up with us on the plane and then I think people just got tired and fell asleep. So <laughs> it was uh, definitely yeah. a draining week for you guys, a draining game, all that went into it. Um speaking of that, Chris, Chris Reed, by the way, is our guest Colts offensive lineman. How are you feeling late in the season? How are you taking care of your body during a, a season that has the extra game 17 weeks or 17 games now instead of a 16 game regular season you know i think you you kind of do it the same you kind of take care of your body the same every week for the most part uh you can always add stuff if you need to um i'm just kind of keeping my routine Uh, i think that's one of the biggest things people can get away from is is getting you know bored in their routine and so just sticking with your routine and then um you know, just take it day by day. If something's bothering you one day or something, you know, it's, it's a very impactful sport on the body. So, it, you know, it's some things can pop up here and there. But, you know, adding one game, it's a little more taxing for sure. But, you yeah. know, hopefully we have more than just one game. All right, Chris, what do you see in the Raiders? They're up next on Sunday. They're a unit that's playing some good football. Their defense has given up only 27 points in their last two games combined. What do you make of the Raiders' defense going into this game? Um, you know, a lot of respect. They're a very good defense, and they, you know, they play really, really hard. Um, and they, you know, they get really good players up front, really good defensive ends. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe, Max Crosby. Yeah. And so really just playing our playing our ball. Um you know, just worry about ourselves, not worry about them, studying, um, getting into our schemes and making sure we're 100% on uh, technique and fundamentals and stuff. I think that'll be the key to this game. All right, lastly, Chris Reed is with us, offensive lineman for the Colts. How much juice is there for this game coming up on Sunday, right? I mean, if you guys win, you clinch a playoff spot, what kind of motivation does that give you after – Several people on the outside looking in, you know, they looked at this team after an 0-3, 1-4 start and didn't give the Colts much chance to make the playoffs. Now that you can kind of take care of that on Sunday, what kind of motivation does that give you and the team? Um, You know, we're motivated, but I think this team is approaching it 
in a very professional way. I think you know we're looking at it as another game, and we're just dialing in on details. And yeah. I think that's kind of the the, the mindset of uh, everyone here. And so I think that's really where where we're at. You know, we do have we you know you always feel it in the back back of your mind like you know you have that anticipation and that energy. And uh, I think people are doing a great job of channeling it into uh, their preparation. No doubt about that. That's Chris Reed, offensive lineman for the Colts. Chris, any uh, any New Year's plans? Do you uh, do you plan to make it up past midnight here? <laughs> nah, not probably not. Yeah, get my sleep. <laughs> but uh, no, nah, it would just just being home with the family. And yeah, that's uh, about it. Indeed, we'll take it easy, man. Get all the rest you can heading into a, a very big game for the Colts on Sunday. Colts and Raiders. That's Chris Reed. Chris, thanks for the time, man. Good to talk to you as always. Uh, enjoy the rest of the season and good luck on Sunday. I appreciate it. Thank you. So Chris Reed, who did a great job along with Danny Pinter. Uh, and Pryor and others in the interior of that Colts offensive line this past Saturday night. The win as they're playing in for guys, uh, well, obviously Ryan Kelly in his situation at center and then and then Lewinsky and Nelson out with the uh, COVID protocol. But fantastically done, among others, one Chris Reed with Matt Taylor there on Colts Happy Hour. More to come. We're live from Fishers. We're at the Parks Place Pub as we continue moving forward. Rick Venturi and Matt's going to join us coming up on the other side. The level of importance in that matchup against the Raiders, what the Raiders bring to the table, and all the knowledge you need with Rick Venturi. That is coming up next. This it's Colts Happy Hour, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Welcome back to the Colts Happy Hour. We're getting you in the know on the Colts heading into the weekend. Hey, welcome back. Colts Happy Hour is right here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Download the app today and make every moment count. Get the truth of crash question regarding a takeover, takeaway streak. So I said takeover because I'm thinking about me tomorrow night. A takeaway streak for the Colts D. Beginning again, coming up on Sunday against the Raiders. That's truth or trash right there. Meantime, we're going to split this up, too. See you, Paul. Good to see you, brother. Have a great holiday, too. Uh, We're going to split this up with Rick Venturi. Normally, he does everything all in one, but we're going to split it up with offense and defense. And Rick Venturi's keys to the game coming up on Sunday. From the radio booth, Rick Venturi and voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, begin by talking about the offense coming up this weekend. We'll do defense coming up on the other side. Matt, go ahead. All right, thank you, JMV. It's time for Inside Football with Rick Venturi as the Colts prepare for the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday. A playoff spot can be had for the Colts if they win this weekend. And, Rick, let's talk about the blueprints and talk about the Raiders on offense. And Derek Carr is definitely the straw that stirs the drink there. He's one of the more underrated and talented quarterbacks in the National Football League. And this is an offense that loves to run the RPO game. They've got a good stable of backs and Josh Jacobs, Peyton Barber, and then third down back Jalen Richard. It sounds like Darren Waller could be back on Sunday against the Colts after missing the last four games with a knee injury. He's one of the bigger uh, matchup nightmares in the NFL at tight end. On the outside, they've got Zay Jones, um, Brian Edwards, but Edwards is on the COVID list at the moment. 
who talked about Renfro and just his dependability and that high uh, completion percentage that uh, Derek Carr has with him on third down. The Raiders ran for a season-high 160 last week against the Broncos, but outside of that game, they've been mostly an aired-out team. They're fifth in the NFL on passing yards. They average 37 attempts per game, and they're not afraid of that. I mean, they've got the most chunk plays in the passing game in the NFL with 62 plays over 20 yards on the season here, Rick. So what else do you see in this offense from Las Vegas, again, guided by Derek Carr? Yeah, there's no question about it that, you know, the fact that they were able to run the ball so well uh, last week on offense made all the difference mm-hmm. in the world. It made it made Carr's life better. He didn't have to total, uh, totally carry the team, although I think he was 20 for 25. I mean, and, and I think 201 yards. I mean, he was very efficient yep. and very good, but he didn't have to carry it. And and again, as I, you said, 160. And again, Jacobs had 129 of that, and he looked really, really good. And, you know, Barber comes in, he gives him quickness, Richard on third down. Um, you know, again, I think you, you, you said it all. What What they do a good job of is – and this goes back to the Gruden offense. Um, you know, basically they have two running games. Uh, you know, they have when they're when they're in open formations, it's an NCAA RPO, um, and you know they they'll look at the box, they'll count the box, run it to Jacobs if if you're light, if you're heavy, he'll throw it out quick on the outside. Um, you know, I I think that way, and then. You know, at times they they will go back and get in that old-fashioned 22, you know, with a fullback and two tight ends and kind of old-fashioned Gruden pound at you. So they're a little bit like New England in that they kind of have two running attacks. They weren't effective until last Sunday, but again, we're playing them now. We're not playing them in the first week of the season. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that was better. You know, they're, they're very specific uh, with their receivers, they have roles. The guy that they're really trying to get involved, Matt, is uh, is Jackson. They really, you know, they really want to get Jackson involved. Uh, they got him later. Uh, they're doing a lot of isolation with him. Zay Jones is kind of the possession downfield guy in that second level. And of course, you know, Renfro is just outstanding in two areas. He's outstanding on third down. If you're in third and two to seven, it's just like I said last week with Ertz, you have to defend Renfro in those situations. You have to take him away. You don't have to double him all day, but in third and two to six, and then in that red zone, you've got to have coverage on him. Now, if Waller comes back, now you're you're talking about a big time matchup problems. One of the biggest matchup guys in the in the league. Mm-hmm. This is a guy that they move, they move around, they can split him out uh on the weak side. They're gonna look for matchups if he's ready to go because in his absence, if you really kinda look at it, the guy that's kind of emerged for him is Moreau, yep. who is not nearly the athlete. Yeah, Foster that, Moreau, uh, yeah. Yeah, that, that 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 Waller is, but just by the nature of their offense. The other thing you got to be really alert for, and and Greg has done a really good job with this, like John always did, is they just they just major in bunches and stacks and coveys. I mean, they make it very hard for you to get your hands on guys like Renfro or guys like Waller. They do a great job of creating free excess. So all those things are going to factor in. I think that their offensive line is subpar, not subpar, 
sometimes with the running game, but I think they have real protection problems. And I'll get into those. And, and again, this is why I think they play so important this week. It's so it's always important, but it's so important this week to establish that league and and to get the advantage. So here here's here's what I see as the must. This is to me what the Colts must do in this game defensively. You know, first of all. Because of last week, we have to stop that running game, Cole. I mean, we have to take every tool away from Carr and make them play in a must-pass game. We've got to create the must-pass game, either by establishing the lead or totally taking away their running game. Now, Jacobs is a slasher who can bounce. He's also got check-down ability, and this is something Carr does a good job of. He's a touchdown check-down, and he'll throw that check-down late after that coverage has gone back, and he's really good with it. Now, again, you, they're going to run some RPOs with their three three wideouts and then some heavy 22, so you got to be ready to go back and forth. No one barbers in the game. It's going to be quicker. You're going to, you get, everything's going to be faster and quicker. He's a, he's, a, he's a jitterbug type guy, as is Richard. Richard's a third-down receiver when he's in the game. You know, again – if you just go on the season numbers, you don't like it. I mean, you, you look at Jacobs, you say, well, he's under four yards of carry. Mm-hmm. Well, watch him last week in that 160, and you will have a whole different uh, perspective on that 129 yards, and, and now he's got 998 total runs and passes. Number two, you got to get Carr out of rhythm. you got to have tight coverage and pressure. Carr's a guy you have to affect. There are some quarterbacks in the league that if you're around it, and we've played a lot of them this year, you know, a lot of backup guys. I mean, they're, they're just, you know, it's, it's hard for them to beat you. If you don't affect Carr, he will absolutely shred you. And you have to play him for 60 minutes because he finished games. He's one of the, the real good finishers in this league. Now, He's a kid that will try to make plays. He'll try to get it in there. So, again, I believe you can force him into turnovers. He does have 10 picks this year. He has interceptions over the years. Uh, But, again, he's an outstanding guy. He sees the whole field. He can move. He's one of those guys you got it covered. He'll go through the progression and know exactly where that check down is. So you got to play tight. You've got to close the windows. You've got to make it tough for him because he'll throw the long ball, but he's also a guy that can beat you with a thousand paper cuts. And that's sometimes I worry about that, that kind of guy more than I do the big flashy guys. So, you know, again, number two is Carr. Number three, I think you really have to have a third down plan for Renfro. And, you know, I was, I was whining about it last week on Ertz was Ertz started out on those third downs. You know, he's also a good return man, but he is one of the best possession guys. And they're, and they'll make him play you, as I say this all the time. They'll make him play – they'll make us play him through traffic. In other words, they're not just going to line him up and let you get your hands on him. He's going to be in a bunch or he's going to be in a stack. But you got to take him away in that, in that third down. You just, you just have to. And then, you know, I, I think also now – it's a whole different ball game if Waller is there. I, I, I like Moreau. I think Moreau's a security blanket, but he's a guy. Right. If Waller's there now, we have to be <clears throat> very careful because they now have two terrific possession guys in Renfro and Waller, and you've got to make sure that you don't get a bad matchup on Waller, particularly what they'll do with Waller is they'll get more three-by-one 
and they'll move him around in those various spots and see who you're covering him with, and, and they'll check with me accordingly. So, you know, I mean, that's critical. Number four, <clears throat> we have to really be clean, particularly in our man-to-man stuff, which we're playing so much more, and I love it. I don't think our defense even resembles how we were playing with soft zone early in the mm, year. Agreed. But when you when you play more man and sticky, the one thing you really got to be able to do is you, against this team is you really have to be able to sort those bunch releases and stacks. You got to make sure on the pre-snap you know who's got who. If you're going to zone them off, you got to you have to have that communication because they're going to do that all day long and kind of understand what their receiver specialization is going to be. When is Renfro important? Mm-hmm. When is a is a Jones in that second level and are they really isolating Jackson? I got a feeling that Jackson's role would go down if Waller is totally fully back. And then the last must, and this is critical, if you can force the drop-back game, that's what's so important. I think we can kill their offensive line. I think Miller, their left tackle, I think he's killed the franchise. They drafted him high. They stay with him. And in crunch time, he gets beat. Parker at the right tackle is very, very soft. I think you can pound him and crush him. And then Leatherwood could not handle Buck. You know, Leatherwood's the kid that they drafted number one, was a tackle at Alabama. He's playing the right guard, but I'm telling you, he's not as good an athlete as a guy like Buckner. So, again, we must affect Carr through the Raiders' Achilles mm-hmm. heel, which is their offensive pass protection. So, Rick Venturi, Matt Taylor right there. Part two, we'll do that coming up on the other side. Centerpoint Energy is a proud sponsor of the 2021 Coach of the Week program. To see the winning coaches and to learn more about the program, please visit Colts.com slash high school football today. More Rick Venturi breakdown. Colts and Raiders coming up on the other side live at Parks Place Pub. We are in Fishers, and this is Colts Happy Hour brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Caesar Sportsbook. Your app is ready, Emperor. Download it and get your first bet up to $1,001 matched. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 plus. We now return to the Colts Happy Hour. An inside look at the Colts on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Hey, welcome back. Brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Download the app today. Make every moment more. Sean Matthews right there, by the way. Our voice, who's doing the JMV takeover. Voice work coming up tomorrow night on B105.7. That all-request live show for your New Year's Eve begins with me on B105.7 at 6 o'clock tomorrow night. The Forum Credit Union question of the week, Derek Carr, Raider quarterback, the fourth QB ever to pass for at least 3,000 yards in each of the first eight seasons. Who are the other three QBs to do so? We'll have that answer coming up for you in just a bit. Also, a little more inside on the Raiders with Know Your Foe with Bill Brooks and Casey Vallier in a little over 15 minutes. But right now, part two, Matt Taylor, Rick Venturi from the Radio Network and their breakdown of the Raiders and the Colts matchup coming up on Sunday. Matt. Thank you again, JMV. We're back for segment two of Inside Football here with Rick Venturi, and we're going to break down the Raiders this time on defense. And, Rick, the Raiders have a ton of COVID issues, just like the Colts, but they've been slammed at the linebacker position. As we sit here and talk now, Denzel Perriman is on the COVID list. So are fellow linebackers K.J. Wright and Corey Littleton. Starters Casey Hayward is on the COVID list. So is their starting safety Roderick Teamer, 
cornerback Brandon Faison and cornerback Nate Hobbs. The Raiders are allowing 25 points per game, but they've only given up 27 points combined in the last two. They've held three of their last four opponents to 17 points or less, so they're playing very well here at the current time on defense. They're one of the worst teams in the league on defense inside the red zone, allowing touchdowns 78% of the time, but they have two disruptors on the outside. We talked about those guys already. Max Crosby and former Jaguar and Colts killer Yannick Ngakwe. Those two guys have combined for 15 sacks on the season, and Ngakwe just seems like the Colts play him every year on a different team. He's played the Colts 10 times over the years with seven and a half sacks against the Colts, seven tackles for loss, one pick, and four forced fumbles. So you always have to know where that guy is on the field, especially with potentially a a banged up and a not 100% intact personnel offensive line. Rick, what kind of defense are we going to see on Sunday in the Raiders? Is it going to be the early season defense or the defense that's playing really well here as of late? Well, I I think it's going to be the defense that that is playing really well. I mean, the defense is playing with a passion. It really is. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, they're simplistic. I I think oversimplistic, but I think what Gus Bradley has decided to do, because they don't have great talent, I mean, other than a couple spots, I think the idea of playing a lot of three deep, a lot of eight-man front, and I think what he's saying is at the end of the day, just keep the ball in the box. Don't give up big plays. Let's make a play along the way. Let's let our offense win the time of possession. And let's just not be, uh, you know, porous. Like a year ago, they gave up so many big plays. And when they brought Bradley in, they really brought him in to kind of shore it up. Now, they're not a real talented football team except in a couple spots. I mean, and it, and it starts with those two edge rushers. And this is why, again, we talk about tone of the game, set the tone, get the advantage, get on top of them, establish the lead and keep them out of a pass rush mode because Crosby on the left side, I'll talk about him in the must, and Ngakwe on the right side, they're a handful. Both those guys are handfuls. You chronicle Ngakwe has, for some reason, has played well against us, even when uh, you know Anthony was good here and was rolling. Um, and they have a good NASCAR package if they get ahead and get on third down with Jefferson, and then they Solomon Thomas, who was a high draft pick, plays inside with those two guys outside, and that's a that's a really formidable outfit. I think Hayward is a really good corner. I know we got a question on him on COVID, but he is a really good corner. And then after that, Matt, it gets really product, uh, really uh, you know pedestrian. Uh, I think it hurt him to lose Abrams. Although I thought Levitt, he became the backup last week. They weren't sure. He actually became the backup, and I thought did a really admirable job. And then Gillespie, their other safety, he kind of replaced uh, Adams or uh, Abrams in the dime. So, so really, they used two guys for one. And Morg is a is a ball hawk at free safety if he gets his opportunity. I think I think one of the best players um, uh, on the on the on the on the team there. Is, is their nickel back. I think he's a, a very, very good player um, in, in Nixon, number 22, a good player. So, I mean, they, they have that kind of stuff. Very, very simple scheme. Not a lot of man-to-man coverage. A lot of off stuff. So, you know, I think, you know, with that, you're going to get a lot of free access. And there's some thir- certain things you can do. I mean, I do think that we can really run the ball on them. I think 
Ngakwe is a, is a guy you can run at all day. I don't think he has a big interest in playing the run. Uh, and I don't think they're a great tackling team. So I look for us to get some big plays. Now, our must to me from an offensive standpoint, and a lot of it is at this stage, you've got to be who you are. Okay, and, and I really believe this is a pedestrian front seven when it comes to all-purpose football. Don't get me wrong, playing hard, but I don't think they get off blocks very well. I'm going to pound this pedestrian front seven into submission with Taylor and Hines. Pound at their bubbles. Uh, they're going to give you a lot of over-under. They don't get off blocks. And losing, losing Abram in that second level took away their number one hit man in the second level. So, you know, they're, you know, they're a little bit shaky there. I would pound at Ngakwe on their right side all day long, and I would get into some three wide receivers. And the reason I say that, if you get in three wide receivers, you make them so predictable. They're almost always now in an over front. Put the tight end to the right, get this shift, get this shift to our right, and then pound at Ngakwe. Just pound at him uh, till he cries. Again, just, just constantly do that. And, and, and I, I think you can hurt them in the bubble big time. You know, we got to get Taylor into their secondary and obviously have a big rushing game. I think, number two, we have to attack their corners. Even though I know Hayward is a good corner and Trufant was back last week, he's been out with injuries, This this that position has been because of injuries and COVID and everything else. And really, lack of talent. It's just been the flavor of the week. Mm-hmm. And they're going to play. They're going to undress them the whole game on first down. I mean, everybody does that. We know that because we have such a great asset in the running game. You almost know that you're going to get three deep every down on first and ten, second and five or less. And so that's when you want to go after their corners because I think they're weak. I don't think you have to be really complicated either. I think like we did in that fourth quarter last week, sometimes just leave Pittman out there and let him run out. So let, let Hilton run the corner pattern. You saw how effective it was. Sometimes I think we think we have to do too much. Um, the other thing I would say is, you know, and Ted Marchabrota taught me this a long time ago. There's, there's one guy that you want to key all the time, and it's now Levitt. It would have been Abram. But it's now 11:32. If, if if our quarterbacks, you know, whoever it is, take a good pre-snap look on where he is, because he generally will show you three deep versus split safety versus man versus zone. He is what I call the tip guy. So make a good effort there. Mm-hmm. Now number three, you got to protect the edges. Crosby on their left, and they'll switch some, but Crosby is long. He really likes speed to power. You know, he's a big, lengthy guy. And believe it or not, he's got a really good inside move. Kind of a poor man's Ted Hendricks out of eastern Michigan. And he's relentless. So if you're blocking him, he is the most relentless guy on that front seven. He will keep coming. In Gawkway, just the opposite. You know, he can get off quick. He can turn the edge, and he runs the hoop. He can run upfield and then back down. And he's a really good stripper. So whatever it takes secure the edges if it takes extra blockers tight ends backs whatever it is do not let those two guys beat us you know my pet peeve is don't come back on sunday and say well those two guys beat us but they're good no we know they're good here on wednesday so let's make sure we have the plan i think uh, number 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 four is on short third downs like third and two to six this is where they go man-to-man. This is the one time they go man-to-man. But they're not a big press team. Now, they may switch that. But, you know, be alert. 
that's when you need your man-to-man beaters, your crossers, you know, your picks, your rubs, that kind of stuff. And then they run one little coverage I want Carson to really be alert for. It starts out like it's quarters across the board. It looks like four deep across the board. But the weak safety, and that was Levitt last week, he'll just sit there and he ends up being like a robber right inside those linebackers, and it ends up being a three deep. And if you're not careful, you will think you have something open because you won't feel that backside safety. A little bit like the Tennessee game, mm-hmm. you know, when, when Byers came down and got it. You got to be, I'm just, you know, our quarterbacks have to be careful. I call that a six buzz. Got to be really careful with that because it can be tough. And then I think the last thing offensively, because I don't think, even though they're simple, I don't think they always play with great angles, and I don't think their back end, particularly losing Abram, are good tacklers. And I think this is one of those games, again, I talked about it a couple weeks ago, explosive plays, explosive plays on the running game and catch-and-run plays. Don't have to get over the top of them. Get the ball in our guys' hands, guys like, obviously, Taylor and Hines and Pittman, and let them run for it. Cause, and, and think touchdown, not first down. I think they're suspect, and I think their tackles in the back end, I think their they're tackling in the back end is optional. So I think that's really important, and I think those are the key issues. So Rick Venturi, Matt Taylor right there from the Radio Network talking up the Raiders and the Colts on Sunday here on Colts Happy Hour brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. They were also brought to you by Meyer, the official super center of the Colts and a proud sponsor of hundreds of local sports teams across the Midwest. We are staked out at Parks Place Pub. The Mats own it. This is a great place up here in Fishers. Been here since three, having a blast. Continue to watch Tennessee and Purdue. Volunteers, a 31-30 advantage under seven and a half to go right now in the fourth quarter. Balls have possession of the football uh, but uh, in their own territories they just bust out with a first down run right there as they near their own 45 yard line. We'll keep you updated on that and more but on the other side we'll go know your foe Casey Vallier and former Colts wide receiver Bill Brooks a little more insight on the Raiders matchup coming up on Sunday. This is Colts Happy Hour 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. No show talks more about the Colts than this one. This is the Colts Happy Hour on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Oh, man. Hughes Corporation will rock the boat. Shout out to Casey Valle. You may hear that coming up tomorrow night on the New Year's Eve All Request JMB Takeover. Your form credit union question of the week, David, check that, Derek Carr, younger brother, Carr, uh, fourth quarterback ever to pass for at least 3,000 yards in each of his first eight seasons in the NFL. Who are the other three? One you know very well here, Peyton Manning, the other Cam Newton, and Russell Wilson, the form credit union fan form section of Colts.com. You can interact with other Colts fans on online, post a topic and more. Forum Credit Union, helping members live their financial dreams. Casey Valle, Bill Brooks, and they have a little Know Your Foe. Tashawn Reed covers the Raiders for the Athletic, and they start talking about, I mentioned Derek Carr, once he's accomplished through his eight seasons of the NFL. Derek Carr, present time, and this Raider squad in what we're going to see coming up on Sunday. Yeah, I think he's, 
he's had a uh, an interesting season just because there's been so many different arcs to it um, due to things that you know partly are out of his control. Um, obviously, you know, five games into the season, you know, he loses a primary play caller in John Gruden after his resignation and, and switched to Greg Olson, who he had worked with before, but um, he, he does differ obviously from Gruden and how he runs the offense. Um, and, and things things kind of started clicking there in, in the first couple games under Olson, and then um, obviously, you know, following the bye week, they had the, the tra- tragic incident with the the car crash um, involving Henry Ruggs and uh, the offense was drastically changed after that and then Darren Waller got hurt she was also changed the offense and so his overall statistics uh, you know probably don't look as, as great as they otherwise would have if all those things didn't have it happen obviously um, I do think he's played at a, at a pretty good level this season uh, turnovers have been an issue uh, they've been an issue for the last couple of years uh, for him uh, not just interceptions but he's also has a, a problem with fumbling the ball pretty often uh, but you know that kind of comes with it you know if you want that increased aggression with him pushing the ball downfield and taking as many deep shots as he is that means he's going to be throwing some more risky passes he's going to be holding the ball longer in the pocket and uh, you know it's kind of the, the you know there's only so many quarterbacks that can kind of mirror that unless you're you know Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers, you know, kind of mirroring that, that downfield aggression with, with not turning the ball over very often. So um, I, I think he's had a pretty solid season considering all the circumstances. Now, their most consistent wide receiver is Hunter Renfro, leading the team to 92 receptions. How much has he meant to, the, to Derek Carr and to this Raiders offense? Yeah, he's been huge, uh, you know, especially with Waller out. Obviously, you know, Derek Carr, that's his, you know, his best receiving option is Darren Waller, and he has a lot of trust with him. And, um, you know, he kind of defaults to him when things aren't going well. Um, but, but right behind him was always Hunter Renfro. Um, and without Waller out there, we've seen, you know, Renfro basically be that safety valve for Carr, uh, you know, kind of, you know, whether things are going good or going bad. Uh, Renfro is just a really consistent player. Uh, you know, he, you know, he's not the most physically imposing guy in the world. He's pretty average size, athleticism, but he's a great route runner. He has really sure hands, and um, he has really good chemistry with Carr, and, and that's a recipe for success. And, um, you know, he's really been carrying that receiver group, um, you know, in, in the wake of what's happened uh, there this season. You know, they, they signed Deshaun Jackson. Uh, you know, he had a big game against the Cowboys, but he's been kind of hit or miss um, since then. Say Jones is more of a rotational receiver. You don't really want him starting. Uh, Brian Edwards, uh, a young second-year player uh, that they have, he hasn't really put it all together yet. And so uh, without having Waller at that tight end position, um, it, you know, a really lot of uh, a burden has been put on Renfro, and he's handled it very well. I mean, he's, you know, there's a chance he might, you know, set the Raiders record for, for catches for a receiver this season. And, um, you know, for a third-year guy, and, you know, it was a mid-round pick. Uh, I'm not sure many people saw that coming as quickly. We're talking with Tashawn Reed, who covers the Raiders for The Athletic. I want to hop to the defensive side of the ball. A guy that Colts fans know from earlier in his career, Yannick Ngakwe, joined the Raiders this offseason. Kind of go alongside with Max Crosby. Pretty dynamic pass rushers. How would you assess their play, you know, th- to this point here in the season? Yeah, the Raiders have had a long line of free agency signings that have been pretty bad. <laughs> you know, guys that, you know, were good players elsewhere. They give them a lot of money and all of a sudden they come here and they can't play anymore. But uh, Unique Ngakwe has, has kind of bucked that trend um, so far. Uh, you know, he's you know he, he's a guy that's you know, he's, he's not the best run stopper in the world. You kind of know what he is. But when it comes to rushing the passer, he's, he's relentless. And, uh, you know, in combination with Crosby, who's taken a, a step this season in terms of becoming more of a complete defensive end, um, not just having the the, the sacks, but uh, the down in and down out uh, pressure that he's getting on the quarterback, in addition to being pretty solid against the run um, as well this year. 
um, and, and that edge duo, uh, you know, has been pretty fearsome this year. And, and also they've had much better play on the interior defensive line. Um, you know, whether it's Quentin Jefferson or Jonathan Hankins or Darius Bylon or uh, Solomon Thomas, even they've gotten something out of. Uh, it's a pretty deep defensive line group. Um, and, and with Gus Bradley playing defense the way he does, he doesn't really blitz often. So there's a lot, a lot of pressure on a defensive line to shed blocks, whether it's against the pass or the run and kind of create havoc. And, and they've been doing it all year long. And um, the defense, you know, they, they aren't up there in terms of uh, points allowed. Like, you know, if you just look at the stats, it kind of looks like they have a bad defense. But uh, it's been a pretty feisty defense, and it all starts up front with, the, with their front four. Well, right now, the way that it sits, the Raiders are sitting on the outside looking in on a playoff spot. But, you know, the situation is with this, especially with this ever-moving COVID. You know, there's two games remaining, and, and if the Raiders kind of handle their business, looks like they might be a playoff team. What do you think this team needs to do to get two victories? Well, I think the big thing um, this week, it's kind of a continued trend of their last two games. Uh, going against the Browns, it was all about stopping the run. Uh, you know, at Nick Chubb, uh, the Broncos, same thing. And both of those games, they were really successful, which is something that the team had struggled at doing was, was stopping the run. And then obviously the Colts uh, have, you know, a guy, Jonathan Taylor, who's played like the best running back in the league this season, especially if Wentz is not out there. I can only imagine that the Colts are going to, you know, run the ball, you know, who knows how many times and try to pound it down their throat. And so um, I, I think, you know, for them, they can't really look ahead. You know, you want, obviously that Chargers matchup is going to be big if they do win, but it kind of right. you have to really be locked in on this weekend, uh, particularly with the Colts situation. Um, it's, it's all going to come down to stopping Jonathan Taylor is what I feel like is if they're going to keep their season alive and, and have a chance of making the postseason, they have to, I don't know if you can stop him. Um, they did, you know, hold the Broncos 18 rushing yards last year, but I, I would say Col- or last week, but I would say Col- uh, Jonathan Taylor is, is a different beast. So, <laughs> so you can just contain him and keep keep him from having one of those 150 yard multiple touchdown games. Um, then they may have a good shot in this one. Well, final thing with you, I know it's hard to kind of look forward, but let's say this team makes the playoffs. Do you think this Raiders team can make some noise? Uh, I, I think I think they would be a short short lived playoff uh, entry uh, just with. Um, their offense has been really limited and I don't think even if they get Waller back um, you know their offensive line and the, and the instability there some of the turnover and penalty issues that they've had um, you know the defense um, you know secondary being a little bit banged up now uh, moving forward um, I, it, it would be kind of hard to see it all depends on matchups uh, you know if they do sneak in at seven whoever the, the second seed is and, and kind of how that matchup works out um, if it's a team like the Titans maybe you know may not have Derrick Henry maybe you can sneak them but uh, I think they'll be one and done if they do end up making it in but even then uh, if you're for this team that a team that hasn't made the postseason since 2016 that uh, you know lost their head coach this season um, has some tragic off the field incidents this season had some injuries to some pretty significant players, um, even just making the playoffs, uh, I think they would view that as a win. Obviously, you, you want to win in advance, and you know, so they'll be disappointed if they end up losing in the first round. But uh, just making the postseason will, will be a, a huge step forward for this franchise. Hey, welcome back to Colts Happy Hour. Boilermaker fans here at Parks Place Pub and Fishers are happy. Boilermakers just had a huge catch and run for a touchdown. And they're going for a two-point conversion right now as it stands. Under five in the fourth quarter. They lead Tennessee now 36-31. to 31. They are going for the two-point conversion. We will check on that coming up on the other side of Colts Happy Hour in Fishers tonight. Park Place 
Pub is our location. This reminder, too, Colts Audio Network includes the Colts official podcast, radio shows, press conferences, player interviews, and more available on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere else you download podcasts. Listen exclusively to audio content on demand and stay up to date with the Colts on your schedule. As you can tell in the background, two-point conversion successful. 38-31 Boilermakers, under five to go in the fourth quarter. We'll keep you updated. This is Colts Happy Hour, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We are talking all things Colts on the Colts Happy Hour, heading into the weekend on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Hey, welcome back. Parks Place Pub in Fisher's Colts Happy Hour. Eddie Garrison, great job from you. This Music City Bowl is bat blank crazy right now. Boilermakers score on a long TD throw and run. Great run, by the way, by Payne Durham, the tight end. Um, so here's what happened. Boilermakers put it in for the two-point conversion. Tennessee immediately runs back the kick all the way inside the five. They just score. However, there's a holding call. So take the points off the board as it stands with 349 in the fourth. Boilermakers holding on to a 38-31 advantage over Tennessee. This game has been as enjoyable. I can't imagine there being, at least at this point, any, and I mean any bowl game more enjoyable than this one has been, uh, at least to this point. And uh, we'll see what happens coming up. Hey, again, thanks to everybody here. Chris Hagan, Fox 59, everybody on the show, Brent Halverson earlier, EJ Speed of the Colts. Great job from you, Cam, as always. And Eddie Garrison, fantastic work from you as well. Tomorrow, 6 p.m., the JMV Takeover, New Year's Eve all-request party comes at you on B105.7. Have a great night. Talk to you tomorrow at 6.